Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Those on the platform, Acts chapter 14. I want to read verse 21 and 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Acts 15 verse 36, um, and after some days Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city. We have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now I've uh, doing a few weeks on follow-up, uh, and so let me ask you a question. Who are you seeing how they are doing? And so uh, the aim, as I mentioned, of this class is to address the need uh, uh, to touch people's lives, uh, new converts, people struggling, people in a difficult place. Because one of the things, the larger a church gets, the more easy it is for people to slip, so to speak, through the cracks. And uh, one of the things in, 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 in my position is... Uh, uh, People, if you catch their problem quickly, it's like cancer. Uh, if you catch it quickly or immediately, uh, then it's curable. It's solvable. But uh, a lot of times, by the time I hear there's a crisis or a need or someone struggling or a difficulty, they're already terminal. And so what follow-up does... Um, it's uh, having a relationship. It's a spiritual work and many times focused on grounding new believers. Uh, but it's, it's more than that. It's having relationships with people that when they go through crisis, uh, you're there and you have the courage and you have the spirituality to speak truth into their life, um, to speak to them and deal with them, and we trust pull them back from the edge of the cliff. Uh, it's a responsibility of everyone. We have numbers of people in follow-up. We talked about this last week. Uh, but um, uh, it's having a heart for people. We talked about Paul, the Scripture, being gentle among you as a nursing mother, affectionately longing for you, uh, comforted every one of you as a father does his own children. So let me ask you a question. Uh, what does follow-up mean to you? Just kind of get the wheels turning before I move on to another uh, section. What, what does it mean to you? And, and uh, who are you seeing in that capacity? Again, as a church gets larger, you have relationships. Uh, uh, you have dynamics. Um, uh, we've moved down the road in life. It's not like uh, there's 50 people here or, or 75 or 25 or et cetera. And you have a tendency, all of us, to begin to, to gather and associate with people just very much like you. You have something in common with them. Uh, you have uh, common likes or dislikes. You can identify with them. You can relate to them. And uh, as a church gets bigger, there's these different groups of people, and they, this is uh, pretty normal in life, they, 
they attach. It may be family, extended family, or long-term relationship. And what happens is people who come through the doors uh, uh, can be overlooked. Uh, they don't get that personal touch. We talked last week uh, about um, uh, as a new convert, uh, uh, the aim is to, to uh, speak to them uh, and begin to impart to them. We talked about a number of things that need to be imparted. And everyone is not suited for this. There has to be a patience. You have to be flexible and etc. But I want to get your input. We had no time last week really. But what does follow up mean to you? What does this term mean to you? Are you involved? Who are you focusing on? Anybody at all? What does it mean to you? Kevin? Follow-up is loving people. Okay. Okay, someone else. Yes. Chautauqua. Um, Follow-up is uh, having, um, basically making a decision in your heart that you're willing to give your, um, to make time. It is um, taking like, I mean, I know Pastor Bowser said a lot, um, and follow like, giving yourself, listening to someone's story, rather than taking them out to eat. It's just giving yourself to see them, someone else make it for Christ. Okay, you're you're willing to sacrifice or give yourself uh, that someone else can make. How many here had someone follow up on you? Or let me see your hand. They related to you. Most people here, they they developed a relationship with you. Would you be here if they hadn't have done that? I mean, it, you might be, you might not be. I mentioned last week about. Dion and Natalie Thompson, and uh, we had nothing in common, absolutely nothing in common in the natural. And, and yet they opened their home, they opened their lives, they took time, uh, set up with us in the middle of the night when he had to get up the next day and go to work early and work hard. Um, uh, and they bridged the gap from... Uh, uh, because one of the things, if you're going to live for God, um, you have to build relationships with people living for God. Uh, you can't uh, continue to run to the same places. Um, you have to change your environment uh, from a carnal, worldly, ungodly environment to a spiritual environment. To an, and that, of course, has to do with church, but it has to do with people. It has to do with, with someone uh, speaking into your life that has some understanding about God and a heart to live for God. And so someone else, what does it mean to you? Uh, Benny? Uh, when I was a new convert, one of the things that uh, Randy and Donna Sanders did was they opened up their home, but they opened up their pocketbook and they opened up their fridge and they opened up their schedule. Okay. So and they, they, they and so Ricardo just mentioned they opened up their fridge. They fed us. Uh, they listened to me lie to them because I used to tell just crazy bombastic stories. And I think they knew I was lying, but they just cared about me. And so uh, and they and they like I said, they would buy twenty one dollar burgers and we'd sit there till two in the morning and they'd be like you said falling asleep. And they would just let me and then I would get the hint that maybe I had to go. But uh, so they opened up their their house their pocketbook, and their fridge. Okay, um, Barbara? 
um, all the years I've been saved, I think the one thing that I've noticed is that when I, because I, you know, I've gone through a lot of things, but when I would see somebody that needed to be followed up on, or even older saint or a new convert, it didn't matter, when I began to reach out to that person and try to encourage them and, and that, it encouraged me and changed me. It did something to me spiritually, and it took, it took uh, my eyes off of myself and began to focus on other people. And that, that was such a blessing, and it still is a blessing to do those things. And to, it does something to you spiritually when you start to reach out to people. Yeah, one of the greatest, uh, uh, if you pour your life into other people, God will pour his life into you. Uh, Rose? something, follow-up to me is not something, okay, I have to go check on this person. Follow-up is friendship, is, is, is seeing someone and say, you know what, I want to be their friend. I'm going to be their friend. It's not, you need to do this and you need to do this, but to be a friend, know that, that, you, that you're going to love them regardless of all their failures. Okay, uh, Lisa? I got saved 30 years ago when I was um, about 17 years old. And I remember uh, when I got saved because I was, my whole family was Catholic. I mean, they didn't really practice it, but they just stood on that. And um, they hated the fact that I had become a Christian. And I remember my dad came back after being gone 20 some odd years and stuff. And I started witnessing to him and dealing with him. And End result is he threw me out of the house. And I remember walking to, um, from the projects on McQueen and Chandler Boulevard to what was then Bob's on Galveston and Arizona Avenue. And Mary Jane and Margie were there. And Mary Jane and her husband took me in. And I mean, you gotta understand the lifestyle I, I came from. I mean, I was part of one of the so-called gangs in Southside Chandler and stuff. And I ran the streets and, um, my family was so messed up, it's like we couldn't even trust each other with a dollar. You couldn't lay a, a dollar down because it'd be gone. But yet, you know, the next day, um, the pastor then, you know, and his wife um, told Mary Jane to bring me over to their house. And he was leaving to Okinawa, Japan. And um, they talked to me and they told me that I was welcome in their house. And I really did, I didn't know these people. Right. And I'd never been out of my house, you know. And um, I was kind of scared. But I knew that I wanted to live for God. I had ran from God for so many years, but I knew at that point my decision, I had made up my mind. And I went to bed, and for the first time in years, I had peace in my sleep. And I woke up that morning, and um, I'm looking for the wife, pastor's wife, and I thought, where'd they go? So I kind of went around the house, and I found a note and $20 on the refrigerator on a magnet, and it said, you know, here's money. I went to go take Pastor to the airport. I'll be back. And they, I thought, they left me $20. <laughs> and more than anything, I thought, these people don't know me. They just met me. Yeah. But they entrusted me to stay in their house. And I'm thinking, I, I could call up really anybody in Southside Chandler, and they could load up their house. And I could have, because I knew a lot of the people that ran the streets. But you know what? what? What they did then, it salvaged me. It made me understand that in God's kingdom, I can be loved, I can be trusted, and I could change. I didn't have to live the life that I was raised or the mindset or the way of thinking my family. And I remember from that point on, I told God, you know what? 
the way I live for sin, I will live for you. And I no longer want to think like my family. I love them, but I don't ever want to think like a Martinez thinks. I want to think the way God thinks. And it's been 30 years. I've gone through my ups and downs, but no matter what, God is the answer. Praise and God. it helped that they trusted me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, amen. So I want to uh, move from that. Is uh, So why is personal follow-up so important? And so why do they need me? And so uh, new converts are like new babies. We talked about this last week. They're vulnerable. Many times all, all you have to do in the natural to a new baby is neglect them and they'll die. And that's not just true in the natural, but that's true in the spiritual. And the early days are the most critical. They're prone to doubt. Was this real? I prayed at the altar. I felt God touch me, but was it real? Or was it just my imagination? Was it just my feelings? They're prone to thoughts, can I do this? Can I really live for God? Can I change? And so what happens, doubt many times then, will keep them out of church. Keep them from the very place where God can speak to them that they can do this, they can live for God, they can change. But doubt, and it's strange to them. It's a strange climate. It's a strange a spiritual environment. Uh, many times it's nothing they're used to. Uh, and they need desperately someone there alongside of them that can disperse these doubts. And not only that, that can, can pull them through the doubt and the strangeness and I don't fit, I don't belong, uh, uh, I can't live for God. They need someone to pull them through that and break them through in the, in the dynamic and the atmosphere of God's presence and God's people and church and etc. And that's you. And the first two or three days uh, uh, to the first week is absolutely many times crucial. It's life and death. And so you have to establish a relationship. And they need you. And the kind of Christian they're going to be down the road is very much linked to the kind of Christian you are. One of the reasons I left the Assemblies of God and many years ago is no matter what I preached, I could not move those new converts beyond the example of people in the church. Huge group of people. It's like I could not move them beyond. Uh, uh, many of them, they had relatives in the church. They had uh, all these dy dynamics. Um, and so these early days and your influence, your example, as a mature Christian sets the pace many times for the rest of that convert's life. Your supervision can keep them out of unnecessary trouble, traps, demonic strategies, and strongholds. Your example is critical 
They're going to watch you. Your priorities, your behavior, how you conduct yourself, what you say to them, the words you speak are life and death many times. You can speak a word to them today uh, out, of, out of your flesh or carnality or, or you're upset or, or whatever, and it's amazing that one word you spoke uh, six months later can flip them out or gives them leverage when they, they want to backslide, they want to turn away from God. Uh, they, they now all of a sudden they're in a uh, the fir- early days you know the rush is on the Holy Ghost but they hit the wall and now you spoke a word back there of discouragement or you spoke some kind of uh, a jealousy or envy or something they will pull that word and many times they'll do it to support their walking away from God or their backsliding and so they desperately need you. It just just like we read these stories, these babies before they're ever born. The mother's on crack and the child's addicted before it ever comes out of the womb. And so uh, your influence, your behavior, they see you praying. They see you witnessing. They see you worshiping God. They see you giving. They see your service. They see your attitude. They see you. They hear the word, all of that. Because you're imparting uh, uh, more than just uh, some kind of uh, words and pattern. You're imparting who you are. You're in, it's spirit in life. It's revelation. You're imparting. You're the living, walking revelation of what a Christian ought to be. And that's follow-up. And many times it's inescapable. Sometimes they'll choose you, and you don't choose them. I'll never forget Charles Barkley says, I'm not a role model. Well, I'm sorry. When you're in that arena, these kids look to you, and it's inescapable. And so uh, <clears throat> this new convert, uh, uh, he's, uh, his whole, much of, of what he's going to define as a Christian This is what a Christian does. This is how a Christian dresses. This is how a Christian speaks. This is where a Christian goes. This is how a Christian spends their time. This is what a Christian does. This is how a Christian behaves. Much of that is going to be because you have rubbed shoulders with them. You've had them to your house. You've taken them out for coffee. You've spent time with them. You've inv- and, and you're going to reproduce what you are and who you are. Someone get for me 2 Timothy 2.2. Who will get that for me? 2 Timothy 2.2. Uh, Fred, do you want to get that? So, uh, Anna, you had uh, uh, someone. You had your hand up. Yes. I just want to share that uh, Antonio Noemi, the the pastor in Guadalajara, um, when they started follow up on us, we I had nothing in common with them. Gabriel had in common with with them, but what surprised me in that you know growing up in church, I was very arrogant to who I talked to, and you know I just I had a bad attitude, and they she changed my whole life around because they it didn't matter what they had. It didn't matter if they had, you know, hamburgers or quesadilla. 
you know, whatever it was, they had us over. I'm going to say uh, every night after service. You know, they stuck around with us the whole time. And I think what made, you know, a big difference in Gabriel is that, you know, he was always there with them. He was always talking to him. He was always encouraging him. And it was up until the day that they left, even that, you know, they continue to talk to us and they continue, you, you got to keep going for God. You know, and, and that's one thing that helps us now that we're in follow-up is that I tell them, I was like, it doesn't matter if we have food. It doesn't matter if we, you know, if it's just <coughs> coffee, if it's just a donut. You know, to let them know that there's someone there that loves them is what changes their whole life around. Yeah, they, they, they desperately need someone that's genuinely interested in them as a human being. You're, as someone, you're not just, uh, it's, uh, not just spending time, although you may uh, want to follow up. We have follow-up class, and, and you have, you know, you, you feel and you're called into that ministry and want to be a part of that. But it's more than that. You want to be a friend. You want to have a relationship. You want to uh, uh, w- uh, walk with them in this walk. Second Timothy 2.2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay. You therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of, his, of this life, that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. Okay, that's good. And so uh, what you, uh, he says, I want you to, com- what I've committed to you, I want you to commit to faithful men that they may be able to teach or follow up or impart this to others. Are you faithful? Do you qualify? So what's required or needed um, uh, in personal follow-up? What's required in, in my life? If I want to follow up, if I want to do this, um, uh, one, you need to have, of course, a right relationship with God and a right relationship with headship. This is critical. It flows. If you don't, uh, uh, somewhere you're going to kink thing. I, I'll make a statement to you. When people get in a desperate place, um, the one, they need God, but they need me. They need headship, whoever's on staff. They desperately need them. There's, there's life or death moments when they, they need someone who's been down the road, someone who who's, uh, has experience, someone who has had years of wisdom in dealing with issues. They desperate, there'll be times that that's critical. And, and if somewhere along the way, if you're not right and you've uh, sowed that, then that alienates them from the very individual or the very person who can mean life or death for their soul. It's one of the great problems. You need a right relationship with God and a right relationship with headship. Because we're talking more than method We're talking about an impartation of spirit, heart, and life. We're talking about a transformation. You will communicate who you are. There's no substitute substitute for your spirituality. What you are and your spirit is going to speak louder than what you say. And out of the buns of heart you'll speak. You'll communicate this. This is critical. This is critical for churches to grow. Uh, this is why some churches don't grow. 
This is critical. You, you can have a thousand people saved and nobody makes it. And cause you're gonna, and so one of the snares of Satan is the tendency, once we get the method down, we abandon our personal relationship with God. We become lax. In other words, you say, listen, you need to pray. You need to read your Bible. Uh, you need to be in church. Uh, uh, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you need to give. And, you know, you have over-processed of time. You're imparting these basics of Christianity. But if you don't do it, if you don't pray, if you don't give, if they never see you worship God, you need to go to the altar. But they never see you go to the altar. They never see you respond to an altar call. And so what happens over uh, time, if we're not careful, we can have the method. Everything I'm telling you, you know you've heard it many times before. It's nothing new to you. But one of the great snares of longevity is uh, because now we know how it works, we begin to abandon the one who makes it work. We begin to become lax in our own relationship with God and with people. And consequently, uh, it begins to, it, it has a strange feel to it. Follow-up demands um, uh, calls for commitment. It's time-consuming. It's a demanding process. You're going to have to discipline your time and your world. One man said, I will make good habits and become their slave. And so uh, time, are, are you a steward of time? Do you, do you have time for people? I encourage everyone here, uh, the sermon I'm going to preach tonight, I don't always say this, but it could change your world. Sermon I'm going to preach, I may do a series on it, I'm looking at a series and I haven't forgot about the series on the blood. I did three on that. But the sermon I'm going to speak tonight is uh, God just inspired me. And so um, I encourage you with all that's in you to be here tonight. It can change. Uh, see, destiny is a decision. Destiny is a decision. That's how destinies. Uh, they, they're, they're because of decisions and I'm not going to preach a whole sermon to you but, and, so, um, uh, and so it's time consuming and so you have to also ask yourself do I believe in the importance of following up on someone am I willing to spend the time and give myself or do I just hang out with my little kebab of friends I don't have time for newcomers. I don't have time for sinners. I don't have time for people who are struggling. I don't have time for uh, a new convert. Or, uh, I don't have time for people who, who are, uh, it's messy. I know if I'm going to deal, it's going to be messy. And, and, or they've got, as Anna said, got an attitude, a bad attitude. And, and, and uh, you know, it's going to cost you. I'll just make a statement to you. If Jesus died on the cross, is it asking too much that we at least carry ours? 
Praise the Lord. Amen. And so if you're not totally convinced and committed to the importance of follow-up, the first problem, the first frustration, the first difficulty, first time they call you in the middle of the night and need you, you'll abandon it. If you're not convinced um, that this is important, if you've forgotten about who followed up on you and put up with your nonsense and insanity, loved you when you were unlovable, if you've forgotten that, then the tendency is is to forget the importance of it. But I'm telling you, there's people, they need you desperately. They need to be in relationship with someone who's right with God and right with people. And so um, follow-up calls for a uh, consecration and a concentration. You have to focus and, 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 and don't be uh, like a butterfly. You, you go from flower to flower to flower to flower. Uh, focus on some people. Don't. Uh, it's hard to be effectively follow up on this whole uh, conglomerate of people. Um, uh, you know, one week you're with this one, the next week you're with that one, and then that, and then the oh, here's a better prospect over here. Ooh, wow, this one here. Uh, and uh, focus on somebody. Build a relationship with them. Become a. You're going to take them. This is not going to happen in a week or a month. And, and they may not immediately appear that they need you, but somewhere they will. And so you have to understand, I'm going to consecrate my efforts. Jesus, he had the multitude. He had the 70. He had the 12. And he had the three. That's the, that's the nature of what he did. There was, he spoke to the multitude. And there were times that he would take Peter, James, and John aside and say, you, you guys stay over here. There's times he had the 12. He commissioned the 70. But the, uh, and so, but, but you got to focus better to, to uh, quality begets quantity. If you, if you get a, a real, uh, uh, get a convert, um, a couple, begin to pour your life into them, love them, uh, build a relationship with them, take them places, be there for them, uh, speak to them, pick them up for church, um, uh, get them in the house of God. You got a great spirit, just pour, and you'll be amazed. Um, uh, they'll move from that into discipleship. They'll move from that. They'll want to serve God. They want to minister. They'll want to do. They will begin to reproduce. But if you just it's one minute with this one, and then uh, ten minutes with that one, and and this one over here, and that one over there, and, and you don't effectively uh, touch anyone. And I understand, you know, the nature of life. I understand some people are more standoffish and some people are more reserved. Um, uh, but a lot of people aren't. Right. 
How does this happen? Talk to them at church. Sit with them at church. Invite them to sit with you. Or you go sit with them. Pray with them. They go to the altar. You go to the altar with them. Pray with them. Sit with them. Talk with them. Listen to them. As I've said over and over, they, know, they want someone to hear their story. Get them into a group of people. Get them into new converts class, a Bible study, the, the teen group. Get, get them in somewhere where they can introduce them, where they can build some other relationships. Take them out for lunch. Keep them occupied on Friday and Saturday night. Pick them up. I'll, hey, let's go to Extreme. I'll pick you up. Let's go to Extreme. Because how many? Saturday night is when new converts backslide. Friday and Saturday night is, is uh, uh, when many new converts and many people, that's when they backslide. Fellowship with them. From the moment they're saved, Begin to fellowship with them. And so we, we, had, we had some hands, yes. I was just going to say, um, when I first got saved, I got, a, I got a job a week later. And on my first day off, I did not want to be home. Because I, I wasn't used to living this kind of life. I mean, since I was 13, I was getting high every day. That's the only life I knew. So I told my mom, I don't want to be home on my day off. So she called Alicia, and I got dropped off over there. And over where? At Alicia Nolan's house. Okay. And her and her, all her daughters were there, and that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. They made me feel special. They, they, I was the only one sitting in the seats, and they did a little, um, my own little extreme there. They sang. They told me the <laughs> testimony. Had a private extreme. Yeah, I was the only one clapping and screaming and. It was just amazing the way they made me feel. I hung out with them for the whole day, and I'll never forget that. They made me feel wanted, and, and they just touched my heart. And just that one day of hanging out with them, I knew that I could live this life and, and still that have fun. Let's, let's stop. Isn't that amazing? One day, and she said, I knew I could live this life. Now, now calculate. One day. And, and, I don't know, 13 years of getting high every day, uh, it's not easy sometimes to give people one day like that. Lisa said, I could have stole everything in the house. I've had people in my house who did steal, not everything. But <laughs> uh, hey, where, where'd that go? <laughs> but one, think of that. She said, one day, not listening to my sermon, one day, not, not uh, 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 in church, but one day in someone's home with them, and I knew I could live this life. And here she is. Her son's here. Go ahead. That's it. Okay. Fred? 
you know, I want to thank God for the, the, the success that he's allowed me with some people. And then, you know, I also have let him know that, you know, I've had a heart for those that I didn't have success with. But my thing was, you know, uh, you know, not everybody's going to really desire to surrender. I know that. And uh, that's something that we have to keep in mind. But the effort, I think, is very necessary. And even if they don't, you know, your efforts uh, should mean the most to you because they, they mean the most to God, I believe. Uh, I've had some run-ins with a few people that, uh, you know, I really poured my heart out to, only to see them later on, you know, decide to run. And, you know, I can only reflect back to my own self in that, uh, in that arena period because I remember when I was a runner and I ran. So, you know, accepting it, I think, was easy. Well, not easy for me in the beginning. But over time, uh, you know, uh, allowing the wound to heal was helpful. And just remembering that, you know, something that you told me a while ago, that, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. If it's a desire deep within, they're going to do what they want to do. And what they want to do. And, uh, you know, I would just say this to, you know, everyone that is, uh, in follow-up, just provide the love that you may have in your heart for others because someone did love you before to get you to where you are because that's what means the most. I mean, whether they're going to really surrender, and I use surrender as a key word because, you know, you have to. Uh, you people have to surrender. You know, that's that's the key there, I believe. And, and uh, you know, not everybody's going to do it, but, you know, just continue to try. Yeah, love sacrifices. Love suffers long. Love thinks good things. Uh, love is not jaundice. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you're, it's inescapable. Uh, you're, um, uh, I mean, here's Lucifer <laughs> with God. And said, I'm, I'm going to take over this place. I'm gonna be like God. I'm gonna take over, and and uh, he uh, he ran with the third. I mean, it's inescapable. Uh, uh, you're not gonna uh, do anything for God without um, uh, people. There's betrayals. There's agony. There's heartaches. I don't care what you do in life. There's disappointments. But on the other hand, there's Michael. There's Gabriel. They're with God. You know. There's the archangels. Um, and um, uh, Paul, Demas has forsaken me, having uh, loved this present world, but then there's Timothy. And, um, uh, and, and so, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, let me see, Netta, you've been waving at me back there. Her husband's trying to control her, but he couldn't. I thought she's going to jump up on the chair for a minute. Um, I just wanted to say something. Um, when me and Craig got saved, I think we were probably saved about mm, probably about a year, and um, we hit a really hard struggle um, financially, um, and uh, we didn't have a car. And then when we did buy a car, it broke down. And then we bought another car, and it broke down. And it down. broke down. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It's funny now looking back, but it was really hard for us then. I mean, like we were. Craig was riding to work, and it was taking him an hour and a half on the bus to get to work, and then an hour and a half back. So, I mean, it was really 
hard on us. And I remember Eric and Fawn had given us a truck. <laughs> and it was the ugliest thing that I had ever seen. It had no grill or in the front there. It was open, but it was the biggest blessing to us. And um, I remember we drove that truck for probably about a year and a half. And uh, best thing, I almost cried when it finally broke down and we couldn't fix it because it was such, it was so sentimental to me. And I know that that was a point in our life that we were struggling, not only financially, but spiritually. And for them to step in and bless us the way that they did, I know that I can connect it. Now, my faith, I can connect it back to that point of them trusting us and them loving us and them seeing our struggle and um, doing that for us. So I just wanted to say. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes. Um, um, uh, I was going to say something to you. triggered my mind. Oh, I was, uh, go ahead. Uh, go yeah, ahead. I wanted to say that um, it's true, the commitment, the sacrifice that we do for Jesus and Converse. And I remember, like, uh, I was working with a brother, Diego, um, when, when I came to live close to the church, Gilbert. And at that time, there was new converts, and um, this person, um, their car broke down. And I had, God has blessed me with three cars, you know, not really good cars, but, you know, they're, they're functional. So, and I, I, I was working with Diego, coming to church prayer, and um, he was taking me in his truck. So my truck was not being used at that moment. So I let these new converts borrow it, you know, and, you know, for whatever reason they had to do that day, they did it. And then when we got married... Um, they didn't have um, the money to buy a wedding dress. So my wife, we let them borrow my, my wife's wedding dress, you know. And, and to see that, I mean, move right now where they are, living for God, that's a blessing right there. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. A, everything, you know. And, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, we, we give it all, you know. But the blessing is that their salvation is still there and they're still living for God. Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. The, um, uh, I was, um, I, I ministered on this, but I was very moved uh, when A.J. spoke about Eunice. A.J.'s a new convert, uh, wow. 827 drug rehab programs, whatever. And uh, 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 here's Eunice from Texas, a little town in Texas. We saw some of the pictures. Here's A.J. from uh, D.C. And uh, here, total different backgrounds. Bill and Eunice uh, out of uh, military, career military. Uh, AJ, uh, just a kid with um, all kinds of baggage, and talked about Eunice taking her to work <clears throat> in the morning, picking her up in the evening. And I asked her later, I said, how long was it? She said, Pastor, it had to be at least for a year. That's follow-up. you following up on? Who are you giving your vehicle to? Who are you opening your refrigerator to? Your house? Who are you investing in? Who are you bringing to prayer meeting? Outreach? Church? Who of you today said, you know what, man, I, I got to get them here today? Or when they show up today, say, you know what, man, I, I, we're having, my wife and I, we're taking them to lunch today, or I'm, I'm, 
You're focusing. Or are you just, you got the method. You got the ministry even maybe. You got some kind of ministry that's legitimate and effective. But have you forgot this? I encourage you. Praise the Lord. We got a wedding here a little bit. God bless you this morning. Amen. Thank you so much.